present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week in Manchester, the fine metropolis boasting a wealth of culture and history. As the epicentre of the Industrial Revolution, it was here that a phrase was coined that has survived to this day. What happens in Manchester today happens in the rest of the world tomorrow. So if you're listening, rest of the world, tomorrow it's going to drizzle. Famous people from Manchester include Gordon Hill, the former top division football referee. Beginning in 1958, Mr Hill officiated at over 400 matches. Sadly, he was forced to retire on medical grounds in 1972 when his eyesight suddenly came back. <laughs> Nearby Wilmslow is the upmarket suburb that's become home to many Premier League footballers. However, a recent documentary following the daily lives of their wives and girlfriends had to be abandoned when the film crew collapsed due to peroxide inhalation. <laughs> Wilmslow was also the home of Alan Turing, whose work during the war eventually cracked the German Enigma code. Turing spent countless hours trying to make some sense out of a baffling series of transmissions. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Let's meet the teams. On my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. <laughs> On my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Jeremy Hardy. And preparing for some hot scoring action on the desk next to me, please welcome the ever delightful Samantha. <laughs> Okay, we start the show with a round about quotations from historical figures who, on certain occasions, seriously misjudged the course of subsequent events. This is going to be one of the most entertaining games we've ever played. <laughs> Humphrey Littleton, November 2007. <laughs> and Barry, you can start. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci. I'm a painter. Who's going to buy a book with my name on it? <laughs> Quote from the Troy Times. This Christmas, the must-have present is a wooden horse. <laughs> Anne Boleyn. Well, he doesn't have commitment issues with me. <laughs> Scipio, the Roman consul and talking kangaroo, probably. <laughs> No, he, he said that the defeat of the Roman army is about as likely as a herd of elephants marching across the Alps. <laughs> What's that, Scipio? <laughs> the kids stuck down the mine shaft. <laughs> Mr and Mrs Hitler, you can never give your child too much sunny delight. <laughs> the one from uh, 1666, Mr Bryant who said, good news, Mr May. 
we've sold our first box of matches to that baker's shop in Pudding Lane. <laughs> the Pilgrim Fathers. Well, let's start a new country. I mean, what harm can it do? <laughs> the teams are going to sing for us now. <laughs> in the game called One Song to the Tune of Another. And even as those words left my lips, I could sense the team's thinking, what in blue blazes is that all about? (laughs) Well, fret not, as it's all relatively simple if given a proper explanation. If you think about it, a milk bottle is almost exactly like a song. It's wide at the base, but tapers to a small diameter opening at the top, which is sealed with a foil cap to prevent spillage. But that's not what makes it like a song. (laughs) No, no, because the bottle contains milk which is exactly like the words. The milk or words may be poured from the bottle or song, and then the bottle can be returned to the milkman to be refilled with different milk or words. (laughs) Just like singing one song to the tune of another. But I hear the teams collectively gasp under their breath, what about garden birds? (laughs) Yes... Yes, there is the danger, as your milk sits on the doorstep, that the foil cap might have holes pecked in it, allowing the ingress of contaminant and rendering the milk unpalatable. Sadly, things are liable to go sour, thanks to an unwelcome little tit. (laughs) At the piano, Colin (laughs) Sowell. Okay, we'll start with you, Barry. I'd like oh. you to sing the words of I taught I taught a puddy tat to the tune of Unchained Melody. <laughs> I live inside my birdcage, <laughs> hanging way up high. I like to swing on my perch and to sing. My little song, but there's a cat that's after me And won't let me alone I taught, I taught A putty tat A-creeping up on me I did, I tore a putty tat As play as he could be That putty tat is very bad He sneaks up from behind I don't think I would like it If I knew what's on his mind I have a strong suspicion That his plans for me aren't good I am inclined to think That he would eat me If he could I taught I tore a putty tie Okay, you now, Tim I'd like you to sing the words of Psycho Killer (laughs) To the tune of By the Light of the Silvery Moon can seem to face up to the facts I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax 
I can sleep Because my bed is on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real life wire Psycho killer Cause cause say Fa 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 I better run, run Run, 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 run away Psycho killer Yes, cause say Fa, 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 better Run, run, run away And that's Jack Your turn, Graham. I'd like you to sing the words of Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now to the tune of Waltzing Matilda. I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour But Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now I was looking for a job And then I found a job And heaven knows I'm miserable now In my life why do I give valuable time To people who don't care if I live or die Two lovers entwined Pass me by and heaven knows I'm miserable now I was looking for a job And finally, Jeremy. I'd like you to sing the words of Hanky Panky by Madonna to the tune of Onward Christian Soldier. Some girls they like candy and others they like to grind. I'll settle for the back of your hand Somewhere on my behind <laughs> Treat me like I'm a bad girl Even when I'm being good To you I don't want you to thank me You can just spank me <laughs> Some guys like to sweet talk And others they like to tease Don't clap, it's a hymn! Time <laughs> move on to a round looking at scandals. The habit these days is to indicate a scandal by adding the suffix gate in the style of the original Watergate affair. Last summer, Blue Peter misled their viewers about naming a cat in what became known as Kittengate. And now ITV have admitted misappropriating eight million pounds of viewers' money in what's become known as we're a shameless bunch of thieving gits but aren't going to do anything about it, gate. In this game, one team have been unwittingly implicated in a scandal about which they know nothing. Their task is to work out the precise nature of the scandal while being interviewed by the opposing team. And okay, we'll start with you, Tim and Jeremy. You're being interviewed by two journalists in the form of Barry and Graham. 
the nature of your misdemeanor will be displayed to the audience via the laser display screen. For listeners at home, here's the mystery voice. They've accepted honours for cash. They've accepted honours for cash. OK, start your questioning now, please, Barry and Graham. And incidentally, audience, if you think they're getting warm, you can applaud. Won't do any good at all, but... <laughs> Good evening evening and welcome to another edition of Yeah, Right. Um, We begin by questioning uh, our two guests tonight, Lord Hardy and Lord Brooke-Taylor, and it has been noted that it's only since you were elevated to the peerage that you've become so strapped for cash. And... uh, Well, we were were mugged on the way into the House of Lords. I see. Lord Hardy of Streatham, um, there was your surprise appointment as the Archbishop of Canterbury, which... Well, as a Catholic, I think it's important to... <laughs> it's important to have an ecumenical uh, approach uh, to, to these things, and I asked for guidance from His Holiness, and I bunged him 40 quid, and he said it was fine. <laughs> But, um, Your Grace, and indeed you, Lord Brooke-Taylor, Duchess of Buxton, <laughs> not only do you now appear to be second in line to the throne, but you were also <laughs> seen and indeed photographed entertaining the Prime Minister at the Vanilla Hippopotamus Pole Dancing Club. Polish dancing is very important to the Polish community. Exactly. And the, the lap community's dancing is fantastic. They don't just work in Santa's Grotto, you know. (laughs) You're clearly accusing us of buying honours. Yes. Your turn to be the interviewees now, Barry and Graham. The nature of your misdemeanour will be broadcast to our audience via the laser display board. But here again is the mystery voice for listeners at home. They've accepted a booking on quote-unquote... They've accepted a booking on quote unquote. Okay, Ooh, start. start that's harsh. Now, <laughs> uh, good evening. Um, do you want to tell us about it? <laughs> could you be more? Could you specify what? what well, don't you is? think that people in your position have a responsibility to younger entertainers to, to be somebody that they can yeah, respect? I would agree yeah. with that. So can Some... I just ask this? Have you completely given up on comedy? Not at all, no, Over no. to you. No, no, not at all. Barry's still very funny. <laughs> aren't, aren't you worried that other entertainers, genuine entertainers, might, might observe what you've done and copy you and get... And once people are into that sort of stuff, all kinds of terrible things follow. You know, hanging around with people like Nicholas Parsons. It's... <laughs> Can you give us some idea of what you said? On what occasion? Whose words did you use, for example? Our own words, I think. Uh, well, on, then you've completely missed the, missed the point. the point of the project. <laughs> I don't. What was the reason for your involvement? Was it a special celebrity edition? Because that's never happened before. Involvement, <laughs> involvement in what? This, this Farago. This Farago that this, you know this, very well. This shamble. <laughs> yes. Farago. Can I? Yeah. It's a kind of car. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were just invited to appear on this. Yes. They said, uh, would you like to do uh, ten minutes on a Farago? <laughs> Can I, uh, can I quote you on that? Yes. <laughs> and we said, is Nigel Reese involved? And they said... 
The next game is all about the next game is all about spotting connections. The teams will be presented with a short list of famous names, places or items, and will try to guess which of them are connected. An obvious example would be if I were to list John the Baptist, the Good Samaritan, and Winnie the Pooh. You'd immediately spot that John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh share the same middle name. <laughs> well, the, the Good Samaritan has it as his first name. Okay, I have with me a selection of unlikely items, and you teams have to spot the odd one out. And we'll start with you, Jeremy. What's the odd one out from these three? Manchester, a cabbage, the moon's atmosphere. Um, I think it's the moon's atmosphere, because the other two smell of cabbage. <laughs> well, what else can it be? That was Jeremy Hardy speaking. <laughs> Well, I, I'll tell you what the correct answer is. Yeah. The cabbage and the moon's atmosphere are both 95% water. <laughs> and well, Manchester isn't far off. <laughs> you now, Tim. Okay. What's the odd one out of this list of three? Rats, astronauts, the baby Jesus. Don't really know. Astronauts, rats, the baby... Oh. You're never more than ten feet away from a baby Jesus. <laughs> That was Jeremy Hardy. <laughs> the answer is neither rats nor astronauts are able to burp. <laughs> Astronaut, yeah, this is true. What? This is true. Astronauts can't burp in space as there's no gravity to separate liquid from gas in their stomachs. Rats can neither burp nor vomit. Barry now. <clears throat> Here are three more items. What's the odd one out? A golden eagle, a metal coat hanger, a garden gnome. Uh, you could make car aerial out of all of them except the wire coat hanger. <laughs> it's a protected species, you know, a golden eagle. A guy, a guy shot one once, he was shooting grouse and it flew into his sights and he was in the magistrate's court and he got off on that explanation and the magistrate said... Uh, what, what did you do with it? He said, I ate it. He said, what did it taste like? He said, rather like swan. <laughs> well, if you can remember the question, the answer is... <laughs> on average, a golden eagle, a metal coat hanger, when straightened out, are both 112 centimetres long. And uh, the wire coat hanger and the golden eagle will both breed if undisturbed. Yeah, that's true. How do you straighten out a golden eagle? Yeah, that's what I thought. You have to send it to rehab first. Yeah. <laughs> Counselling, that sort it's of stuff. For the yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Finally, Graham. Oh, yeah. What's the odd one out of this uh, little list here? The koala bear, French fries, lavatory paper, a lead pencil. None of them taste quite as good as they look. <laughs> Apart from lavatory paper. <laughs> so what's the odd one out? Uh, uh, lavatory paper's the odd one out. Well, uh, you're right, actually, because yeah. the koala bear, French fries, and a lead pencil all have confusing or incorrect names. A koala bear isn't a bear. French fries originating in Belgium, not France. And lead pencils contain graphite, not lead. Oh. 
We are poised to go back to the golden age of letter writing now. It's amazing how the art of communication has moved on. Most correspondence these days is, of course, conducted via email, which may be quick and efficient, but you do have to be careful about those spam messages. I inadvertently opened one recently, and there were pictures of young, naked women. Underneath it said, click on the ones you want to have a sex romp with. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's the ones with whom you want to have <laughs> Okay, teams, I'd like you to take turns to improvise the correspondence dispatched between two famous historical figures. Barry and Graham, I'd like you to start by composing a letter from Henry VIII to Catherine of Aragon. And then Tim and Jeremy will come up with a reply and so on. However, the challenge is that the letters must be constructed by each panellist alternating one word at a time. When I honk, it's the end of the correspondence. Off you go, Barry and Graham. Dear Catherine, I am wondering what you will be doing next week because I want to talk about something which I rather think you will find interesting, namely divorce. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Repetition of bum. I, uh, <laughs> I sincerely hope that you will agree that we, namely us, <laughs> will decide amicably to cut our heads <laughs> off apart from mine. <laughs> Therefore, I have insisted that Cardinal Woolsey draws up a brief chair <laughs> and sits down in it so that he can tell us whether we will be comfortable in the chair. <laughs> this will establish that you Now <laughs> where were we? Uh, Deviation. <laughs> but nevertheless I can assure you that we will definitely be having a party <laughs> next Tuesday where Everyone will be beheaded. <laughs> All the very best. <laughs> Yours sincerely, King Hal. Okay. Reply, please, Tim and Jeremy. Dear Henry, we hope that you are reconsidering the dumping of me. <laughs> because... I am very nervous about losing my head. <laughs> I am hoping you will go to the Pope and ask him for a bit of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and pickle. 
<laughs> also, Coles and all. <laughs> it would make me very happy. And I would like Woolsey to come round to my house and eat <laughs> blamange. But not cheese. <laughs> because I love cheese. It's delicious. And also I love kedgeri. <laughs> Don't you love kedgeri? <laughs> As much as I do, <laughs> Henry, we must get back together somehow and rekindle the romance that we started with so many years ago. We could <laughs> make love. <laughs> or not. As the situation arises, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Lots of love from Katharina. <laughs> well, it's very nearly the end of the show, but it's just time for an edition of the Farmer's Radio Times. Samantha has to nip out now as she's off to visit her new farmer gentleman friend who's so committed to being organic, he uses working horses on his land. Samantha says he has a selection of wildflower seeds that need sowing, so she's offered to throw her legs in the saddle, ride down to the meadow and spread them for him. So, teams, while she's away doing that, I'll ask you to suggest what listings might appear in an edition of the Radio Times likely to appeal to an audience of farmers. Start the wheat. <laughs> Sex on the subsidy. Never mind the bullocks. <laughs> I'm a combine harvester. Get me out of here. Pig of the week. Hen behaving badly. <laughs> veal or no veal? <laughs> the moral maze. Desert Island ducks. <laughs> GMTV. Nigel Reese with goat on goat. <laughs> I'm a celebrity. Get off my land. <laughs> And so, ladies and gentlemen, as the South African prop forward of time goes into touch and the English hooker of fate explains she charges extra for that. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show. So from the team, Samantha, myself and the fine folk here in Manchester, it's goodbye. Barry Cryer, Graham Garden, Jeremy Hardy and Tim Brooke-Taylor would be given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith.
and Hum from the Teams will be back next week. If you missed part of tonight's programme or you'd like to enjoy it all over again, you can listen at the Radio 4 website or tune in on Sunday just after midday.